We've talked for a hell of a long time. Oh, Can you hand me a spoon for the beans, please? Well, we gotta, gotta go. That's fine. I'll microwave it later. I want them too. Like, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna smash them. I'm gonna destroy them. It's only one little tub, I bro. Know, Hold it. But I need most of it. What? I bought this. Can I have at least a good majority? Yes. Eventually, I was able to speak Spanish and English fluently, which led to the discovery of both Spanish and English. Spanglish. I am your hostess with the mediocre mostest. Nah, I'm just joshing you. I'm pretty alright. And who is also equally as alright is my co-host here, Ricardo Mexicano. On a scale of 1 to 10, how sweaty are you right now, Mexicano? Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm at the usual sweat level that I'm always in. When really? I, when because you were rushing pretty fast before we started. Well, it was for today. a good reason. Yeah. I'm more excited than sweaty. But sometimes excitedness and sweatiness come in. They do, and, and I'm not saying that, that the sweatiness has completely uh, dissipated from me, but, you know, it's not overbearing. So, scale of 1 to 10, how sweaty? Mm, 7. 7? So, you already know what it is, Mexican Nazi, we're called Mexicano. We got a great show for you again. This is the, what is today, the 14th? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, today, the second to last day before Hispanic Heritage Month ends. Damn. And yeah, so tomorrow's the last day. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get you a uh, guest last week, but this week we have somebody else in store. It's very vital to the community as far as, you know, food and stuff like that. And just, you know, get, you know, providing that um, that sustenance, you know, for the people, you know. Yeah, that's all very interesting. Hold up one second before you finish your fancy schmancy intro. Uh-huh. Is um, we didn't do Latinx Richters yet. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. You're right. Okay. We'll all go right. ahead and so, then we'll go into our interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, do that. If we had an effect sound, it would be the backwards. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We so, got? happy, happy birthday uh, to Sherilyn Gonzalez. So she was born on October 1984. She's actually 36 years old, and she is a, a Mexican singer and actress um, from Mexico, just formerly known as just Sherilyn. And she is known for playing uh, Sofia in Marisol. Happy, happy 36th birthday, Sherilyn Gonzalez. And all right. All right. So we'll get into who this person actually is when we start the interview. All right, so here we go. Uh, Islas Podcast, like we said, we are here with uh, Chef Elisar Salinas. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> Chef Elisar Salinas. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, this is the part where we pretend that we haven't been talking for the past 20 minutes and going oh, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for, so for, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know uh, Eliasar Salinas, he is the owner and creator, right? Of uh, Fresco yep. uh, Tacos located here in Fort Worth. And what other locations do you have? Because I know it's more than one. So Fresco Taco Spot started out of, you know, all places in South Lake, Texas, you know, where no one thought I could make it. Mm-hmm. And then I opened my second one in North Fort Worth, far North Fort Worth in the Alliance area off of North Town Parkway, 3409 yep. North Town Parkway. And then now we have our newest location that I opened last December. 
Uh, and that's in the colony right off of Sam Rayburn Tollway. Okay. Right in front of top. Okay. So, yeah, the one I'm familiar with is the one in uh, off of North Tarrant Parkway. That's the one I know yeah, of. Yeah. One. Yep, yes, sir, yes, sir. But the way we got word of you was actually through the uh, taco truck. Actually, okay. that was uh, present over at uh, Centro Popular, uh, the, the festival that uh, Smooth set up a couple months back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah. Got, yeah. yeah, Smooth, you know, with his, his advance, man, he's, he's always <laughs> been good, man, and, and keeping us in the loop. So he'll let us do a bunch of stuff with him. Yeah, you couldn't really uh, get away. Like, every couple minutes uh, after, like, a set, you would hear him, like, kind of, like, shouting you out. Like, yeah, hey, everybody go go to the back, you know, make sure to get some tacos. Man, if you want anybody on your team, Smooth Vega. Yeah. I mean, that dude right there, man, if, if, if he believes in you and he's, he rides with you, man, that dude rides with you, man. Yeah. Good people right there. Okay. So, the, so the main thing that kind of, like, you know, prompted my, um, me wanting to reach out in the first place was kind of, like, that Facebook post that you did regarding some of the changes that was coming to the restaurant. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the more recent one where you kind of, uh, I think it was on the Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth uh, foodie page. Oh, yeah, Fort Worth foodies, man. That's yeah. a great spot. For yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I'm obsessed with that. So, it. when I saw that, and you kind of, like, kind of laid out, like, hey, like, because you kind of, like, talked about how you've been serving the community for so many years, you know, steady price, you know, getting, like, great feedback as far as, like, you know, the people who really love the restaurant. But, oh, yeah. It, it, you know, just reading it, it kind of sounded like it was kind of like a pretty uh, big decision on your part to, like, really do that price increase. And, like, just to see that uh, reaction from the people in the comments reading how they were still, like, you know, for it as right, far as, like, supporting you. you. So I just kind of wanted to get your uh, your take on, like, everything that's happened since then. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been pretty controversial since the start of the pandemic with a lot of stuff. I mean, from shutting down our restaurant dining rooms way before the orders even came out because mm. I was already hearing stories from New York about them sticking bodies in freezer trucks. Mm. So I made the decision myself to shut down even before there was a mandate. You know, a lot of people thought we were crazy for doing that. And then I did it again mm. when they reopened everything again. I was like, dumbasses. And so I closed my thing down again because I was like, people going to freaking get sick and stuff. And so we've been super controversial and then been on Telemundo and all kinds of stuff, you know, interviewing us about decisions that we've made and this last decision with raising prices i mean you almost have to you know with the situation that we're in in this country right now with supply chain and and just everything in general i mean everything's going up wages going up rent's going up and um you know so i finally came to you know because i've been getting bugged by my parents by other friends and family and and yo man you know it's about that time man like you know things are getting kind of out of hand you know, and everyone else has been going up. I mean, shit, you can't even get a Five Guys burger for two people for less than 40 bucks nowadays. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and, I mean, it's expensive. Anywhere you go right now, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. A lot of those smaller taquerias, they're still selling their dollar tacos and stuff like that. But, man, they're scraping the bottom of the pan to get by. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and them selling food that cheap is the reason why they can't even pay their staff well. You know, because they're cutting, you know, to the bare minimum to make, you know, people come and buy food. I mean, who doesn't like a dollar taco? Right. Yeah. You know? But for restaurants, and I mean any restaurant, even for the guys doing that right now, I, I always talk to them and be like, man, like, there's no more dollar taco days, man. Like, that, those are in the past. Like, you need to, you know, jack it up a little bit and, and, and help your staff out, mm. you know, and, and support your staff. Because if we don't have staff, we, we don't make money. You know, people ain't working. We don't make money as a restaurateur and stuff like that. So, 
your number one investment is your employees. I learned that from uh, a great entrepreneur, you know, uh, his name is Tony Aquila. He was actually the uh, owner of Solera. I mean, this guy, billionaire. I was his personal chef, still his personal chef. You know, I, I cooked for his company. I was cooking for 300 people a day, for four days a, a week for three years for that guy. So I've done all kinds of food, you know, Italian, you know, Mexican, all kinds of stuff. And that man, I saw how he treated his employees. He would feed them. And I was like, man, this is crazy, man. He'd feed them every day, sometimes breakfast and lunch. And they would have all the snacks in the world. And I mean, it was just an awesome environment to work in. I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot to take in when I was first learning how to do catering. I learned how to do catering because of that man. Because he gave me a challenge. He was like, hey, you want to come and cook for my guys? I'm like, yeah, why not? And then it came to be like, hey, you want to cook for us two days a week? Yeah, why not? And hey, can you cook for 300 people four days a week? Shit, just give me Monday to, to buy food and, and get everything ready. Yeah, why not? Three yeah. years straight, I was doing literally Iron Kitchen, like Iron Chef every day of the week. Mm. You know, like every day I would have to come up with a new menu. And so I learned a lot from that situation about taking care of your employees and, and feeding them. There's, I mean, there's restaurants in Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, especially in Fort Worth. I don't know so much about Dallas because I don't really mess with that side. But Fort Worth, you know, there's a lot of taquerias, man, and a lot of taco owners that, man, they treat their people bad. And that's Mexicanos, you know, treating their own people bad. You know what I mean? Telling them, oh, we didn't have enough sales, you know, so I can't pay you this week. You know, stuff like that. I've heard all kinds of horror stories from my, my staff that work with us now. You know, and, and you know, when we first started, we were paying about a little bit, like $3 more than, than minimum wage. We were starting people at like $10 an hour, you know, and 13 on the on the grills and stuff like that. And we were at Taqueria, you know, we were in a five-star steakhouse and stuff. And uh, then when all this stuff started to go on, you know, I, was, I made a decision. I was like, you know, just hearing what's going on with their stories about what they have to do. I mean, a lot of our cooks were working two, three jobs, you know, just to put food on the table, you know? And I'm like, man, this is not right. I mean, these people, you know, bust their ass for us, you know what I mean? And, and I love my chefs to death, man. You know, Rebecca, you know, I mean, Ruben, uh, Pablo, we got a new guy named Daniel, you know, uh, Ryan and, uh, and Cruz, you know, they're my managers. And Margarito, my dude's been with me since the jump, you know, and, uh, but they've been with me for a while because of we take so good care of our staff, you know, and, and with that price increase, we can even do better now. Now we're starting people off at $12 an hour, you know, for kitchen line prep and, uh, and for register clerk, you know, mm. most taquerias mm. don't pay that. They'll pay yeah. Nine, yeah. That's crazy. They sure as hell don't. Yeah. And uh, now our chefs, the ones that work in the grills and stuff are making, you know, 15 to $18 an hour. You know, now our managers are making, 17 to 20 dollars an hour you know that's a taqueria man and another taqueria in fort worth paying their people that much money and stuff you know what i mean but you look at it and you're like man dude like i don't have anything if it weren't for my employees yeah the food's great the food's awesome what we do the environment that we have and what we've done as a company but fresco ain't fresco about the staff you know what i mean it is what it is you know what i mean and and we get customers that jump on Yelp, you know, or jump on any kind of review page and, and, and do nasty reviews about, oh, it's taking too long, or it doesn't taste like what well, my abuelita, I mean, well, obviously, cabrón, it ain't your abuelita food, you know what I mean? <laughs> or, 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 or American people trying to, you know, bash on Mexican restaurants thinking mm -hmm. they know what Acting like Mexican they know something is. when they don't. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. like, but you have to swallow your pride a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get me wrong, I've gone off on people on Yelp. I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not a nice person when it comes to right? and a lot of people are like you you don't do that. Oh man, fuck that. Like, <laughs> I, like you know, if, if the dude that was on the very top could talk shit out of his ass, I can talk shit out of my ass too. Mm-hmm. So if he can do it, I can do it. So you know, and and <laughs> so you know, yeah. So when it comes to like what it is, you know, you have to raise your prices to 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 afford to pay your staff the way you want to pay them you know i didn't take a raise i gave them raises you know what i mean but i'm fine where i'm at you know as long as i got my bills paid you know my son's got a roof over his head he's got food in his belly you know and my family's well taken care of man i don't i don't give a damn about the money and stuff man like it's more about the love for feeding people i mean i've, I've gone to you know the homeless shelters with you know the harvest workers uh rod harris you know, and feed the, the, the veterans out in uh, Rosedale and at Rosedale on uh, Lancaster. I do it like three, four times a year. You know, the, the, the better women's shelter in Fort Worth, you know, I've gone feed all kinds of people. That's where my money goes to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, you can have a nice house, you can have cars and stuff, you know, because yeah, you bust your eyes, you deserve that. But, you know, you have to also, you know, give back, I mean, full fledged to your community and stuff like that. And, in Fort Worth, especially, you know, we've done a lot for Fort Worth with the pandemic, you know, during the, the, the great ice storm of last year, you know, this Ooh, year, yeah. you know, when the restaurants were closed, we literally had our food truck parked in the parking lot and we were literally running orders out to customers. Slide, I busted my ass, I don't know how many times on ice, mm-hmm. but we didn't want our customers to get help. But we were like literally one of the only restaurants on that side of Fort Worth operating where people can actually get a meal. We were serving free uh, Carlo Frijoles Charros in both locations to people who couldn't afford to eat when everything was, you know, shut down with the with snowstorm. So a lot of the community comes out and supports us and stuff. And then another thing is that I never opened my restaurants in the barrio. You know, in the barrio is tough to to go up in price because you're going up against everybody and their mama with a dollar twenty five. Mom taco, and pop shops, yeah, stuff like that. And so when I got into the business, I was like, look, man, I'm not gonna go down to the barrio and steal food out of my own people's mouths. I'm like, I'm not in it for this. I'm in it to knock out Chipotle. Mm-hmm. I'm in it to rub it in Torchy's and Fuzzy's face. You know what I mean? I'm in it to show them that a young kid from the barrio can come out of there and, and do exactly what they're doing with the big corporate dollars. You know what I mean? And I have zero debt in my restaurants. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to do what I did and, and I made a lot of smart choices on my way to get there. But I don't owe no money, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of restaurateurs don't have that up in life. So they either have someone backing them or they pull out a loan, they put up their house and stuff. Like, you know, I made a lot of right decisions and, and did a lot of good things over the years and stuff. And I was able to, to open my businesses without help, you know, and that's almost impossible to do for a lot of people. Yeah. So, and if you do do it, you got to have capital in, in restaurants to be able to flourish. If you don't have capital... You're going to struggle real hard and then your quality goes down and then everything else goes down, which includes wages. You know, so we, we talked about, you know, adding prices, the hike and stuff, anywhere from a dollar to 25 cents, you know, and, and I look at it right now. I mean, everyone's paying up the butt, you know, like everyone's paying a lot, you know, and, and we're in a suburb area where people can afford to spend an extra 50 cents to a dollar and they're not, it's not going to hurt them. You know what I mean? You go to the barrio, you go up 50 cents, it could hurt someone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when they're making $8, $7 an hour. 
And then you got some of these owners not paying them on top of it. You know what I mean? Like, so for us, when I was out there, you know, a lot of people, business people that I know, you know, because I, I get calls from everyone. I've done a lot of caterings all over the metroplex. I've cooked for Mrs. Walton for Walmart. You know, I've, I've cooked for some real high end, you know, CEOs in the country and stuff like that because of Mr. Aquila. You know, I, got, I was fortunate enough to meet people. And, uh, and so I, you know, I've gotten so much feedback and they're like, man, your food's good, man. You could charge whatever you want. They're going to pay for it, you know, because you get a lot for what you buy. You, you get fresh quality beef. You're not using frozen meats. You're not using canned foods. You know, we even disconnect the freezer in our walk-ins because I don't believe in freezers. You know what I mean? Like, I believe in fresh food. I believe in using every single piece on any single thing that we use in the restaurant. We have the only waste that we really have at the restaurant is like cardboard boxes. Cause I literally use everything. Like I don't mess around, <laughs> you know, even the, even the, 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 the butts of the uh, romaine lettuce, I send them off to a guy who has a big farm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's used at the restaurant. And uh, so pretty much it's all plastics and stuff. And, and with plastics being a big part of restaurants, you know, to go orders, especially right now in COVID, our cost is doubled, tripled, you know, plastic yeah. wares and, and dry food packaging has gone through the roof. You know, and it's almost impossible to not raise your prices because of the cost of to-go uh, equipment and to-go mm. uh, containers. I mean, it's man, it's like a struggle just to find foam cups. I mean, you're like literally fighting with other restaurants to get there early to the supply houses, man, and then people begin into arguments in there because there's like no supply. So it's it's been tough these last couple of months, you know, and we do so much to-goes now because of COVID. I mean, it's only, it's smart and it's responsible to do that, to hike up the prices and stuff like that. And on top of it, we have to take care of our staff and we have to pay ourselves. We also have a, a, a bank within our restaurant where we do zero interest loans to our own employees. You know, so we do a lot of stuff to help them out and stuff to get to places. And if they get in trouble, you know, they can't pay their car note, you know, we loan them the money and stuff and give them zero interest payments. You know, and, and to do that, to have a better workforce, to, to have a happier, uh, you know, culture in your kitchen and where everything's, you know, moving like a well-oiled machine, man, you got to you gotta take care of your staff. And the only way we can take care of our staff is that we got to hike up the prices, man, because it's expensive right now. I mean, where we were turning, you know, good profits, you know, now they're kind of, you know, 30% lower, 20% lower because 20, 30% is what gone up in prices. You know, so we got to make up that gap, you yeah. know, and yeah. so, I mean, you can only do so many caterings. You can only do so many taco trucks. Yeah. You can only do so many I mean, I've done personal chefs. I mean, I was just in Wyoming a month ago, you know, cooking at this beautiful resort out there in, in Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming, you know, for these high end people and stuff like that, you know, and like, you know, doing all that stuff goes straight to my restaurant. I mean, I, all that extra work that I do just goes straight to my staff straight to the cause you know we got to keep pushing fresco i mean it's a different type of taqueria but it's your own taqueria you know it's it's what tacos are supposed to be we just give the option to people to put more stuff on them because in any other taqueria you're getting charged extra for cheese we don't do that you get charged extra for crema we don't do that you get charged extra for pico de gallo you know we don't do that you know most restaurants cilantro cebolla vamos start asking for cheese sour cream and stuff 
They're like, whoa, you know, it's twenty five dollars. Twenty five cents, see, mm-hmm. see, see, an extra quarter, an yeah. extra fifty cents, see. And so we don't do that. We don't even hike up the price for flour tortillas because you know a lot of restaurants they charge more for flour. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. Charge a simple base price, you know, <clears throat> and we give you the option to put whatever the hell you want in it without jacking up the price. Yeah, they're a little bit more expensive than your normal taqueria, but your normal taqueria is not giving you two ounces in each taco. Your normal taqueria is not giving you free frijoles charros with your order of tacos, you know what I mean, when you're at the restaurant. You know, you're not getting almost two pounds of nachos for $12, you know, like how we do it. You know, the Chicano fries, they're huge at a restaurant. You know, but yeah, you pay a little bit more, but man, you're getting... I mean, when we started doing the nachos and the fries, you know, I made them to be that big because I wanted to be able to feed a family of three or four for twelve dollars. You know, you can't even do that at McDonald's. No, you really can't. You really can't. So you you kind of touched in you know kind of a little bit about uh your your beginnings as far as like your love for food and like um your mom, your abuela, and all that showing you you know what it is to like you know how to make food, you know how to create it. But where did the interest as far as like a business standpoint kind of come from to like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to be able to like, you know, make some legitimate money off of doing something I love. Yeah. Well, back in the day, uh, my father owned a bar in Detroit on the Southwest side. It was called Cerralbo Bar and Grill. And when I was young, you know, I would walk over there and me and my brother, and, you know, I would wash dishes. My mom would make menudo and for all the borrachos and stuff, man, <laughs> on the weekend. So, you know, watching my mom make menudo and all that stuff and my father running his bar business. I mean, they got into that business because they were both working for General Motors and they got laid off. So, you know, I'm a product of being born on welfare. You know what I mean? So my parents lost their job. You know, you know, I remember, you know, standing in government cheese lines and stuff when I was just a little kid, you know, and uh, my father was able to open up a bar while they were, you know, back and forth with General Motors. And, uh, you know, that's where my love of like, of business i fell in love with restaurants with this restaurant in detroit it's famous i mean anthony bourdain even did a uh a thing before he passed away and all that hmm. uh and it was called dooley's coney island hmm. and that's where my love of restaurants actually came from because i used to sit up in there with my dad when i used to go walk to school at holy redeemer and uh old man Dooley, he used to always give me a donut. And he's like, make sure you finish this whole donut, you know, because you don't leave no food on the plate. And so, and he would take me to the back of the kitchen. He'd show me how to make the omelets, how to make the hash browns. You know, I was just a kid, you know what I mean? Uh, and it's just, it was so fascinating. And that restaurant, if you ever go to Detroit, it's iconic. I mean, it's been around since, you know, anything could be around and stuff. And, uh, you know, and it has such great history. That's why Anthony Bourdain went there, because it's, it's known throughout the world, you know, Dooley's Coney Island. And uh, that's really where my love came from for restaurants. And I actually imitated my first restaurant that I opened uh, the, for Fresco because I've owned another restaurant before this failed miserably. <laughs> but you got to learn, you got you know, it's like anything. So when I opened Fresco, I, I went back to my roots and I opened it to mimic how uh, uh, Dooley's looked like. It was all bar seating and three tables in the back. And that's how I opened my first restaurant for Fresco. Because you, you're Mexican, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, when I think of Detroit, you know, Motown, you you, 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 you automatically think of, like, the music. You think of, like, you know, Motown records. Pizza. Yeah, Detroit-style yeah, yeah. pizza, yeah. all that. So, like, when I hear, like, and I think I overheard a little bit the yeah, conversation yeah, you have with yeah. Veronica he, as he far as, like. Into it before we started recording. Yeah, but as far as, like, Mexicans being there. So, is it, like, a 
pretty well at least maybe back then not so much but i'm assuming now probably a lot bigger like as far as the mexican population all that southwest side detroit i mean there's two streets really it's mexican town mexican village area hmm. and well mexican town and um and you know there was iconic rest there's still an iconic restaurant there it's uh the via which is mexican village it's owned by uh people that we know and also some family members of ours that you know from my father's side and I mean, that thing is iconic, man. It's been in Detroit for, God, I don't even know. It's been so long. And little by little, it started piecing together Mexican Town and, you know, Burner Highway in Detroit, you know, little by little started becoming more Mexican. There was more, uh, you know, Albanians, Polish, uh, Irish people in those areas, uh, African American group, more up on Grand Boulevard. But and then it started just, man, influx in the Mexican little by little. But then whenever all those crazy laws started passing in California, all the Cali people came down to Detroit. That's when it really exploded to, you know, what it is now, where there's way more Mexicans over there. But, you know, back in the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, I mean, there was only really people from Nuevo Leon and a couple families from other parts of Mexico. But it was mainly like Nuevo Leon, man. It was people from Trevino, Cerralbo, <laughs> you know, Aguadreguas. You know, it was it was, it was crazy because a lot of those people all lived on one street, you know, and it was how we all came up. We used to all go to each other's birthday parties. We all used to party at, um, when all the kids, we used to all have to wear a red jacket, but we would have birthday parties at Burger King and McDonald's and stuff like that mm-hmm. back in the days in the 80s and shit, man. So, you know, I, with the little that, paper crown. From Burger yeah, King, yeah, 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 yeah. You already know. I was looking fly with a red jacket, <laughs> a mullet. I was looking fly. And like now, the kids are wearing that shit today. You know, back then, I was looking fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's crazy because that sounds almost like the way you were talking about Nuevo León and uh, to Detroit. It's almost like how there's a lot of people from like Durango and like Chicago. And then, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So all the people when people started moving more east and stuff from Cali, Chicago. You know, then you get a big influx of Durango people and stuff, and they brought mm. their influence of food into the area, you know, because they have a whole other type of food. I mean, Mexico, I mean, when it comes to cuisine and food in general, it's, like, so vast. Every area's got its own swing to it. It's not like over here in the United States. It was like, oh, we got Tex-Mex, or, you know, we got Cali-style. But, man, that's, that's generic. I mean, over there, man, every freaking region in Mexico's got their own thing. And yeah, Oaxaca, thing yeah. It. A little bit it's, of everything. Man, if you, I think anybody who's living in life, you know, before they die, like a bucket list, you got to go to like Oaxaca, you know, all those cool places down in Mexico and just go try the food. Oh, hell yeah. And That's literally on my bucket list. Like you'll open up a Word document of mine. Oaxaca is on there for oh, sure. Man. They say, I mean, for me being a chef, that's somewhere that they've always been like, you know, you got to go, you got to go. For me, I'm going to take my son and me and him are just going to go and just try everything. Like for us, we went to California from San Diego, almost up to San Francisco. We drove up the, the one, you know, up the coast. And I, I went to try every single Baja style fish taco. Cause mm. I wanted to learn how to make the best fish taco. That's you know, so awesome. How old's that, your son? Huh? How old's your son? Uh, he is 11. He's 11. Has he taken up on, uh, your love of food like you? Man, this dude like does his own reviews on Yelp. Hey, (laughs) I love that. Oh my God. I do. I love that. I love that. He's a, uh, he's a, he's a foodie in his own right. I mean, he's a, hell yeah. Articulate with how he, you know, how you say things. I'm very bad at like, you know, school and all that stuff, English and learning how to do all that stuff. 
you know, English was my second language and stuff. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, we always spoke Spanish in the house. And then you start breaking it when you go to school and going back and forth, back and forth and stuff. But his English, the way he writes, I mean, he corrects me. He's like, no, dad, you got to use a comma. Or no, dad, that's not how you're supposed to write this. I'm like, man, come on, kid. Like, let me shine or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so is but, he is he as opinionated as uh, you told me as far as the difference between tacos and tacos? Because we all know the difference between tacos and tacos. But, uh, yeah, you he, know. He, he won't step foot into Chipotle. Uh-uh. Like, he'll, he's, he'll be like, no. Nah. Like, like <laughs> I'll be messing with him. Like, come on, let's go get some Chipotle. He's like, look at me like, come on, Dad, really, Dad? I was like, oh man. <laughs> you know, I took him one time to Freebirds and he was disgusted. He yo, was like, what yo. Is this? <laughs> what about Taco Bell? What's he got to say about Taco Bell? Okay, so this is my thing about Taco Bell because when you come to the suburbs, when you're from, you know, Barrio and you eat at Taquerias and stuff, well, there's no more Taquerias around you. And when I got moved out here from Detroit, my parents, you know, God bless, and they pulled us out of the hood and we moved into a real nice area in uh H-E-B in like in the North Texas. And, uh, you know, and there weren't taquerias back then over here. And it was Taco Bell. So I got introduced to Taco Bell in Texas. And I was like, man, it's not too bad. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a kid. It was fast. It was easy. And especially because it was fast. Mm-hmm. And super cheap. And know? super back cheap, day, yeah. Man, man, we used to buy all kinds of Taco Bell. But then, you know, when I got older and my parents and my dad, and, you know, started cruising me out to, you know, you know, Barrio Northside and into Dallas and into all the other areas when I got a little bit older and, you know, started to eat, you know, tacos and the taquerias in the outskirts. Well, not in the outskirts, from outskirts of me, but in the cities, you know, and that's when I was like, man, forget Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. But I still eat me some Taco Bell, don't get me wrong. But see, I it's, mean, it's, it's his own thing. That's, that's like, what literally. It's not Mexican food, it's just his own thing. It, it's like yeah. its own little genre. It's not It's, it's not awesome. our food, yeah. but it's its own food in its own right, you yeah. know? So you can I knock it. Bell pass. Uh, yeah. I don't, what I don't give a pass to is all the new guys that are coming in, you know, the free birds, the chipotles, the, the Austin the City tacos, the tacos, uh, the, whatever the hell, the hell, the other freaking taco place is called, uh, Torchies, Torchies yeah. you know, all the uh, fake tacos and stuff where you're making hamburger tacos or uh, <laughs> chicken fries tacos, you know, it's just, it alligator tacos, well, alligator tacos one, I don't know, I don't know, that don't sounds know. interesting, maybe, yeah. maybe that would go. <laughs> Maybe you could try. I'm not messing. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I had steak though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming. So you left uh, Detroit. I'm assuming fairly young before moving. Yeah. So I left Detroit at a younger age. You know, grade school age. Uh, they gave my parents an opportunity to move down to Texas to the Arlington plant. They were working up in Detroit in the Wooleron plant. But you know, back in the the early '90s when you know, gas was going crazy and, and the country was very getting off of economics and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was kind of tight, you know, it was when General Motors and Ford were all kind of struggling and stuff. They started shutting down plants in, in Michigan. They gave my parents the opportunity and my mom and dad were like, well, shit, we're going to be closer to Mexico, you know, because imagine coming all the way from Detroit. Making that drive. Yeah. Mexico, yeah. Man. Was, those trips when I was a kid were brutal, man. I love chorizo and huevo uh, sandwiches, though, because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you guys packed up to eat inside the coche? Yeah, chorizo and huevo. Man, my dad was horrible about stopping. But you know where he would stop? There's two places. He would stop in Chicago for Totonicos, which anybody, if you're in Chicago, you got to stop at Totonicos. It's just it's iconic. Then we would drive all the way from Chicago 
to almost to San Antonio, I think it was. Oh wow! And then post up at uh, Taco Cabana. Taco, Taco Cabana? Cabana, really? Yeah, because he was like, "This is like the Texas taco." Like, he was. He, I don't know why he loved I that mean, thing. You know what I mean? I don't and know. Like, Maybe it was his version of Taco Bell. Who knows? Who knows? We'll give yeah, him a pass. You know, him, he don't mess with Taco Bell. I mean, he'll he'll eat if it's there, but he'll, he'll be mad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, we used to go so far, and the only thing we had was freaking chorizo and huevo and, and white Wonder Bread. Mm. You know, that was our that was our snack all the way down there. So how many years have you been in Fort Worth then? So on and off uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth area, um, been shoot since '93. Uh, what about your abuela? Was she from Detroit? Is that where you grew up with her? So my my grandparents, my abuela Maria Salinas and my grandpa Eliazar Salinas, they're from Nuevo León. Well, my grandma's family comes from Michoacan, but they're mm-hmm. from Nuevo León. That's where they were born, you know, raised them and all that. My grandpa was actually from a little town, like a little baby town, like one room school in uh, Guadalupe, in, uh, in Los Herreras, in Nuevo León, and uh, La Hacienda de Guadalupe. And uh, my mom's family, they come from, my grandma comes from Mazatlán, Sinaloa, and my grandpa comes from Cerralbo, Nuevo León, but they all met right there in Cerralbo. But yeah, my grandparents, <laughs> my grandpa, migrated to Michigan back in the day because, you know, they were looking for work. He was in construction. And uh, then he later on moved my, uh, my my dad and my grandma and all that stuff to Detroit. And uh, that's when they eventually got into, uh, my grandma got into Chrysler and my grandfather got into General Motors. Mm. And that's how my mom and my dad ended up getting into GM it's because they were already working in there and you can get your family in. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they were all within the same business. So in the kitchen, when you were with your mom and when you were with your abuela, do you remember the first thing you ever learned how to make? Okay. So the first things I ever learned how to make <laughs> was, you know, like the basics, you know, uh, morning breakfast, you know, Winnie's con huevo. Ah, salchichas, right? Yeah, that's like his favorite huevo. thing. Yeah. yeah. I still eat that. I still make that to dinner to this day. I mean, if you haven't ate winners and wellers, are you really Mexican? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you really a broke Mexican también? Because that stuff will save you some money. Oh, man, that was some good stuff when I was mm-hmm. growing up as a kid. I loved it. And so I, breakfast was always a big thing. But one of the main things I've always remembered was when they would bring in the cabeza de vaca. You know, they would bring you know, a baby cow's head, you know, barbacoa. And then my grandma would be making, you know, caldo de res or uh, guisado. And that's where I kind of first got like the first like, wow, you know, this is Mexican food. You know, you got a big old cow's head on the table. You know what I mean? And uh, and just watching my grandma teaching my mom, my mom, because my grandma's my dad's mom. So my mom's mother-in-law would teach her a lot of stuff in the kitchen that she didn't really learn with her mom back in Mexico. And now she was married with, her, you know, the son. So, you know, started teaching them how to make food and stuff like that. And uh, Yeah, so that's kind of like where I kind of like got the love of watching them because all the kids would go out and play or if it was Easter, go hunt for the eggs and stuff like that or any kind of holiday that we had. And But I was like so fascinated by what was going on in the kitchen all the time. And I used to get run off, trust me, many times. It was so cool just watching them work and how food brings everybody together. And no matter how much shit talking is going around, people drinking and stuff, but when we all sit down at the table, it like all goes out. And, you know, yeah, there can be some heated discussions at any family table, 
but it was really like a, like almost a center point, like where you can just convene together and like be family. You know, those, I miss those days. You know, now that we're here in Texas, you know, we don't have that anymore. We used to do that every Sunday over there. You know what I mean? Every Saturday and Sunday, we we're always with the familia in, in Detroit. When we moved out here to Texas, we came out here by ourselves. You know, mm. this brought us to nowhere land. I thought I was gonna watch people, you know, riding horses everywhere when I got yeah, there. Yeah, you know? with the little haze things rolling around. Yeah, yeah. man. I was like, <laughs> I was like, where are you moving us to? I was like Texas. I was like, you know, because I was like, man, we were, you know, we were so used to in Detroit. But yeah, that's how we ended up over here and stuff. <laughs> that's crazy. And you know what? I like your story really touches me. The fact that, you know, you would be in the kitchen with your uh, with your mom and your abuela while everybody was out playing, especially because we both know there's two tipos de, uh, de mujeres when they're in the when they're in the kitchen, because my mom was the same way. Like I wanted to learn how to cook, but she would run me off. You know, like there's yeah. some that really want to teach you. And I was like, oh do this mijo da, 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 da. and it's like no get out get out get out get out i'm working i guess like my question was is that like growing up as uh as a little boy with such a big interest in food and la cocina y todo eso did you ever have to like fight any like machismo or any or did you ever have to come to terms with the fact that it was you know what a lot of people see in our culture you know as women's work well not so much because uh, in Mexico, you know, chefs are all men. You know what I mean? Like, it was hard to find a woman chef. And uh, in most Mexican restaurants, like in Monterrey and stuff, like the high-end spots, you'd have, like, five waiters and it'd be all men. Mm. You know, we're, we're here in the United States, you think of waiters as more like females, right? Uh -huh. yeah. But in Mexico, it's like a whole other thing. So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's different for our culture because our culture kind of like, especially in the Norte, you know, you got the ranch handlers, you know, cooking meat on a on a spit, you know, where you get al pastor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and and cooking cabrito, you know, where I'm from, cabrito's like it's 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 like the holy grail. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially in my part of Nuevo León. And uh so our food it does kind of drive off of men in a way, ranchers, you know, the hard red you know, uh roughnecks that were out in the in the, the valley and stuff like that or you know, working out and stuff like that in the fields or whatever it was, you know, that's where you get a lot of in the ground and stuff like that, you know what I mean? That's, that's more of a man's duty, you know what I mean? And that's, you see mostly men in Mexico do that. See, you, know, see. you don't really see, you know, women doing barbacoa in Mexico. It's usually a men thing, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. The women's were more like, and that's the cool thing about Mexican culture. A lot of people don't talk about how Mexican men, even though there's machismo there, and Mexican women, how they respect the machismo because that's the man of the house, you know, and they respect that, you know, that old school Mexican, you know what I mean? That, mm -hmm. that, that what it was taught back in the day. But if you go back even further, you know, back to Mexican Revolution days, Emiliano Zapata, you know, all those guys, Mexican women were always on the battlefield with men. So, you know, that's the Margaritas, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Mexican culture from man to woman, I mean, we have so much linked up together and there's not so much like, I don't know, machismo is more like entre hombres. But when it comes to man and woman, I feel like the real men, not the ones that be being on females and stuff like that because you got assholes in any culture. Mm -hmm. But the man that actually respects a good woman, a great woman, your 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 queen, the, the, the one that runs your house, the one that takes care of your family, you know what I mean? Like, 
it's there's a different type of respect, you know, and that's why you know Mexican culture. But now in the United States, there's a lot more divorce. Shit, I'm divorced. In Mexican culture, you, you know, our parents, it was rare when you heard of people divorcing. You know, they yeah. would stick it out. You know, no matter how bad it was, familia was always together. You know, it's sad that we lost a lot of that because we're, now we're in the United States. The United States is like fuck everyone. <laughs> you know, and uh, and so. It, I think Mexican machismo with the, like the cooking, I don't think it's really there because taquero's been around for years. Yeah, and, yeah. And men's always been in the kitchen in Mexico, you know, and the, and the whole influence of men being in there. I don't think it's frowned upon. You know what I mean? I, I think they frown upon more like lazy people. You, know, you could be making tacos, but you're still doing something. You know what I mean? Right. You got these people not doing anything, you know, and look way worse than a taquero. You know, taqueros actually someone like man in your in your barrio is like man, taqueros are dudes. Yeah, like, you're feeding the community. Yeah. Yeah, almost like you're you're a barber at a barber shop. You know, you go to a taco, a good taco joint, you got kind of that connection with someone. You can talk to them like a bartender. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think there's any machismo. I mean, and if anyone ever did kind of like try to say something to me, I mean, I'm from the hood. I don't play that bullshit. So. Yeah. <laughs> we, it's gonna be some fist to cuss. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> You know, and I I love that. And I love that because I didn't know a whole lot about like the history of taqueros and stuff like that being predominantly men. And I think that's very interesting. Um, I know that culturally I've seen both sides of it. So I I really do believe also sometimes in smaller pockets, it depends on the family that you grow up from, you know, especially I feel like nowadays it's like the expectations that we have between men and women and maybe that's not necessarily mexicanos explicitly but maybe it's like when you blend and this is just me theorizing when you blend uh, american culture and mexican culture you get the tejano culture and that people don't talk about that's an entirely different thing altogether you know it's a whole nother monster yeah. and tejanos i mean even mexican you know in texas in general i mean it's I mean, it's like any culture, really, or any race. I mean, you got good people and you got trash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just how it is. I mean, yeah. there's no one race. It's like, oh, we're the perfect ones. Like, we're, we're the chosen ones. Nah, man, they, they don't, it don't work like that. There's going to always be good and bad in any kind of community and stuff like that. But uh, Latino culture, Latino community and stuff, uh, especially in Texas. Like, Texas is like a whole other level. Oh, yeah. And Hell, I'm yeah. Here, I'm going to school. Mm-hmm. You know, the Tejanos used to look look down at us, you know, the people who weren't from Texas or were more Mexicano. And a lot of times we wouldn't even hang out with each other because the apis is Tejanos, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. They think they're white. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Mexicanos from other places, you know, it's just how, you know, because the way they would speak Spanglish, they would mix Spanish with English and stuff. And when I come up as a kid, don't you dare do that. Mm-hmm. Que cabrón? Así no se dice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and then Tejano culture is not because it's, Tejano's been around for shit forever, you know. They and it, they're integrated with American people for a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that mixed Spanglish, the, you know, talking English and Spanish together and stuff. And it, for me, I think it's cool, and funny and stuff. I like it and stuff. I don't mind talking like that. But I remember being a kid, man. She couldn't talk like that. Yeah. Spanish, and most of the time I'm like, "Hey, eres mexicano, cabrón. Hablas español." And that's just how it was in our house, you know. Mm-hmm. So. so um. So you predominantly grew up on the on the north side? No. So I'm once again I'm from southwest side of Detroit. I came over here to Texas, so I'm over here more like by the airport. I grew okay. up by the airport. Fort Worth and all that stuff when I was a little kid and, and I was doing low rider clubs and 
bunch of hanging out with a bunch of kids and stuff. We used to do a lot of lowrider things in North Maine, and that's where I met a lot of the people from Funky Town because I was out in like in the in the area where everyone was at and stuff. Especially when I was younger, you know, from shit thirteen all the way till I was like eighteen, you know, hanging out in Barrio Northside, you know, hanging out in the front. But no, whenever we came out here, you know, you gotta understand I come from Detroit, so I come from slums. And when we got to Texas, and everyone's like, oh, you know, Funky Town is hood and. Dallas, you know, GP and, and, and Pleasant Grove and all that stuff. I'm like, man, this is like a freaking walk in the park, bro. Like, this is a holiday. I'm like, have you been to Detroit? I'm like, have you seen? I'm like, it looks like freaking Iraq, bro. Like, it's, it's bombing depleted. You know, back in the day, especially when we were kids, you know, we came from from an area where they were burning down houses every freaking devil's night. You know what I mean? And, mm. you know, both houses on each side of our house in Junction Street in Detroit were burned down to the ground. You know what I mean? There was corner store burnt down house burnt down house our house burnt down house burnt down house next door uh, the guy on the corner the, the building across the street from us burnt down i mean imagine growing up as a kid seeing all that you know and then you get to texas and these hoods look nice man i was like man this is in vacation, comparison yeah. Like, yeah yeah you know I mean? so you know and, and so when i came out here and i was hanging out in fort worth you know seeing like all the gang life and stuff like that and i was telling them man, i was like man dude like stupid man like you don't want to come from that. I mean, because we come from real bad barrios in Detroit and Chicago and stuff like that. You know, and and it's freaking just slummed out. And, like, why would you want that for your own community and stuff like that? But it's the culture, you know? It just it is what it is. And, uh, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm from Detroit. I was, I, I came to the mid-cities back in the 90s and back and forth from Detroit to, to, to Texas and then, you know, stranded off to kansas and new york and stuff cool. yeah so but over here is where i put my businesses at and because uh, i think dfw if you got an idea and if you got the will and the freaking ganas to make it in business man you can make it in dfw this is one of the best places in the world to live i think it's like the new york of the south you know a lot of people say it's houston and san antonio and austin oh, man dallas fort worth is where it's at yeah you know it's so vast and there's so much it's like a melting pot now you got people from Cali coming I'm here you know I'm from the Midwest you know people from Wisconsin from New York Florida I mean everyone's moving over here because of the opportunity of owning more and having more for your value and stuff like that you know Texas is like where it's at especially in the DFW I mean we're just we're glad to have this conversation with you and with that yeah so the reason, so we were kind of pushing it at the start of the show. Uh, the reason I kind of show up late is because I had to go somewhere, and um, that place I went to. We want to make, we want to kind of follow in your son's footsteps and kind of do a review of our own right now from yeah. this little place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black, you can't get them black anymore. Oh, okay. What? Wait, wait, sorry, I didn't the black, hear that. The, the box used to be black. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, this is my first time ever even seeing the tacos, so, wow, okay. And you got them to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, okay, so. For any review, you can't give a real review of tacos until you eat them there. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when it's in a box, it's it's like pizza. Yeah. You you got tacos, it's not going to taste the same when you eat it, right? That's right, well, maybe one day day we'll go on location. Yeah, Yeah. I'd like to invite you guys out, and I want to cook for you myself. Okay. You can see what, what fresco really is. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But we want to go ahead. Which which two types so of So it was uh, two uh, carnita, then two uh, barbacoa. Okay. Which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? 
My favorite is the carnitas. Yeah. Ah. The carnitas and my ultimate favorite are the shrimp tacos. Our baja shrimp tacos. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a good shrimp taco. Okay. So this is the... I think that's the carnitas. You get them on corn yeah, or flour? That's it. Uh, corn. Uh, corn. On corn? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you, if you're in Fort Worth, you drove, man, that's a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like 20 minutes. Right at 35. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, man, I, I recommend you guys to go out there. And if you guys ever want to, man, I'll, I'll make sure to throw down for y'all. No, oh, thank you. These are delicious. Oh, my gosh. A lot of meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're right, porque... Sabes que some uh, taquerias, like, they'll just put, like, a little bit of meat and then cover the rest with cilantro and cebolla and yes, todo, but... No, yeah. these are these are packed. Yeah, so when it comes to our tacos, I mean, a lot of people, la salsa, la salsa, like, man, dude, I'm from the norte. I'm from, you know, Cerrado, Nuevo León. Carne, man, like, your meat's got to be on point. It's I mean, true. if you yeah. have great meat, all you need is limón. And you can eat a taco without salsa. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You got to marinate it. You know you have a real good taco if you can eat it without salsa. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, salsa covers up a lot of no, stuff. That's the carnitas right there. The carnitas? That's the carnitas, yeah. Oh, okay. Now, you know yeah. what surprised me is I didn't know about the frijoles charro. That's what's tripping me out. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I get that idea from in my town in Mexico in Cerralbo. Uh, You know, most of the places over there, when you go get tacos, they always give you charro beans. You know, yeah. uh, and over there in Mexico, they're, you know, frijoles mantecoso, que le dicen, like, little, little bit smaller beans. And, uh, you know, and I was just always fascinated by, like, man, you get the little appetizer before you eat your tacos. And here in the United States, a lot of places, I, I think places that put chips and salsa shouldn't be called Mexican restaurants, because that's not how they do it in Mexico. No, that's not. You know that's I mean? not. And, uh, and that's so, Tex-Mex right there. It's super Tex-Mex, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, Yellow cheese and stuff like that, man. It's just, it throws me off. Like, you won't find yellow cheese at a restaurant. No, I, I have that same passion. I have that same passion, chef, about enchiladas. Like, that's my favorite Mexican food of all time. Like, you give me, a, like, a straight-up authentic plate of enchiladas, I will, like, tear up. I get that emotional. Because it's rooted in my childhood, right? But if you take me to a restaurant and I see any kind of yellow cheese, on, no. Like, get the, get that yeah. shit away from me. I'm not even going. Like, carne and stuff like that. <laughs> Pero sí, sí entiendo. You know, the real, the, you know, the original enchiladas, you know, has, you know, son enchiladas potosinas, you know, the mm. real deep red sauce. Yes. And yep. cebolla. You know, that, that's, 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 that's the real stuff. That's mm-hmm. it. No, but it was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, I can't wait to dig into the, the frijoles charro then later, because that's like one of my all-time favorite foods as well. Um, before we go, what, uh, where can we find you as far as like social media, like, you know, your, the restaurant, Instagram, or, or your own personal one? Same as the, uh, the, the the IG, the Facebook, and all that. It's same as the restaurant. So it's going to be at Fresco Taco Spot. Uh, if you want to find me on IG, it's FTS underscore Salinas. That's my uh, personal page, my own chef page. Uh, but yeah, Fresco Taco Spot is where you find us at and stuff. Uh, you see the skull with the green sunglasses. Mm-hmm. You already know. People already know when they see green, black, and white, they know it's Fresco. Man. Oh, yeah. We stand out. Damn straight. It, and there's a reason why we did what we did with our logo, how you, you know, why we came up with the name Fresco and stuff, because I couldn't afford a million dollars to buy Fresco.com the way it's spelled. Mm. So I had to change the ZKO. Ah, okay. I love it though. It's different. So quick, simple, dot com, let's go. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's why, you know, the name came from what it was. And it, it wasn't even going to be a taqueria at first. It was going to be an Agua Fresca stand. Right? So it was, it first came up with the concept of Agua Fresca, but that, 
building told me no. So uh, it ended up, I kind of changed it up a little bit. Still had the hour wrestling, but made it into tacos. The rest <laughs> is history. The rest is history. Yeah, that's oh. great. Thank you, Chef. It was it was fantastic. This was fucking great. This was awesome. And uh, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. No, it was a pleasure, guys. Muchas gracias por hablarme and, and you know, and reaching out. Thanks to, to Smooth, especially. You know, he's always, you know, been a good dude to me, and and we've both collaborated, you know, for you know different things, you know, and we've always been helping each other out. And that dude right there, he's he's for the barrio, man, for real, mm -hmm. man. That that dude right there is Mr. Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Chef. Thank yeah. you. You have a good rest of your night, and we'll we'll be talking again real soon. I don't know. Hey, y'all, call me. Make sure you holler at me. Oh, okay, yeah, for sure, for will, sure. We will. All right, man. Have a good night. And we are back. Thank you again to uh, Chef, Master Chef of Frescos Tacos. Uh, sorry, sorry. Let me uh, retract that. Uh, Frescos Tacos. Get it right. Um, I really appreciate the interview. It was fantastic. And it was uh, uh, good meeting your kiddo behind the scenes, too. Probably the cutest kid I've ever met in my fucking life. Um, uh, Next to your sisters? Oh, yeah. No, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Third cutest kid yeah. ever. Uh, but still, still. Uh, great Mina. Thank you again, Chef. Yeah, great person. I, lo I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. And now we were going to move on to our next topic, right? Actually, no. It was more food tied because I was, I was actually thinking about this right before the interview. Um, because there's always a constant debate about what... Uh, constitutes and what does not constitute as actual Mexican food, right? But we never really have a battle of what is the whitest Mexican food. When you say whitest, do you just mean like the dish itself, or are you talking about more about like the things that you would add it to make it white as hell? That's because I feel like there's like a clear difference. Like you know, like there's certain mm -hmm. things you can have be Mexican, and then the moment you add something, you're like you ruined it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's kind of like you true. want enchilada and, and, and the yellow cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, my you know? God. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. The minute that you add yellow cheese on on top of anything, whether it's taco, you, the, the first and firm foremost way you can turn a taco into a taco is adding yellow cheese on it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with enchiladas. Uh, then you, uh, I guess, turn them into what? Enchiladas or however it is. Enchiladas. Sure. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I see. I can't even do it right. <laughs> But I would if I, so let me go first. So if I had to like just bare just bare bones go off you know top of the dome, when I see sour cream added to any type of Mexican food, it's kind of over at that point, in my opinion. And here I am going to start showing my true colors. Isn't crema just like sour cream's cousin? Crema is, but not sour cream. Not not Daisy. Like to me, like Daisy, like the American version of sour cream does not go well with Mexican food. Is what I'm saying. Mm. Like you, yes. You, I don't you, think I eat enough sour cream to really differentiate the difference. Then. You have crema mexicana, you have crema salvadoreña, which is like those. That, that's a de debate within itself. Like growing mm -hmm. up in my household, like what was better, um, Salvadorian one, by the way. <laughs> but uh, when like, the difference, not yet. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I think like the Daisy, like that type of sour cream on Mexican food is kind of like a very American thing. And like, the, and like usually you won't find a lot in like traditional Mexican food, but the moment you, and Tex-Mex is all around, you know, you're going to find in Tex-Mex. Yeah. Like immediately. But For if sure. you were to bring that into Mexican food, cause I've had, I've had people like eat authentic Mexican food around me and they'll ask like legitimately, like, like the person at the, at the restaurant, you have any sour cream? Something like that. I'll be like, what? 
I'm like, no, they're not well, going to have any of that there. Crema, but they just don't know how to ask for it. You know? Maybe, maybe. But they're, but I'm pretty sure they're thinking Daisy because that's all they know. All they know is Daisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, my hang up is always the yellow, the yellow cheese on top of anything else. And also, like, let's just talk about completely uh, made up Americanized versions of Mexican food that does not ever actually that has not ever actually existed in the depths of Mexico. And that is obviously nachos. Yeah, nachos. Like, nachos are not a real thing. Nachos do not exist in any sort of Latin country that I know of. No, they don't. And now, Elisar did, did a shout out that they have nachos at Frescos, but I'm sure that they spun it in a way to where, you know, because, you know, because tortilla chips, are, uh, you know, on its own aren't uh not Mexican, right? Yeah. You can form it in a way to where, like, these tortilla chips can be banging as hell and still have the authentic taste, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, it's, it could be done, but when you're talking about your traditional, you know, you can get these at the uh, at the at the at county the, fair at, at the, the football at game. The, hold on, at, yeah, at the concession stand football. I have a best friend, yeah. who literally that is her favorite food in the entire world. And I'm not gonna knock her, you know, because comfort look, food be comfort foods. Look, you know? when you come from the hood and you have to go to that gas station that be serving them the microwave nachos, yeah, those things are life. That 25 cent cheese, you know, like it goes hard for some people. Those things, just not that, your girl. That is life. With those paper thin ass tortillas, like I hate those. Like usually the thinner, the more I can't stand them. Microwave nachos, little. I would oh see them pour God. the chili from the can, pour the chi- the I yellow can't. cheese, the most American my yellow cheese. My bougie ass cannot. And my bougie ass cannot. Most Mexican thing on there was the, was the, was the, was the, was the, uh, the vinegar jalapenos. That's probably the most like you know, Mexican thing you could get. But to me, you want to get uh, even even worse than that than that type of nachos. To me, um, chimichangas. Chimichanga. What's the difference between a chimichanga and a burrito? Deep fried. Oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I've ever had a chimichanga. I've always heard the words. Deep fried burrito. So chimichangas actually started in, in Arizona. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I've always heard people talk about them. People, like, make a joke about it. I think there's, like, some sort of inside joke or song in high school that people used to sing about it. Um, They're but not good. I, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I thought it was just, like, another burrito. Yeah. So it's just a deep-fried burrito. Deep-fried burrito. Yeah. Oh. And burritos within themselves, burritos are tricky because burritos, burritos are, are very Mexican. They are because that's the word. That's where the word came from. From Mexico, los burritos, a little donkey. That's what they will call them. Yeah. So, and but you know, you would have to stuff it with the right things. You know, they're not that, and that's the, that's the key thing. What what you put in a burrito here is not what they do in Mexico. Okay, fair enough. Like Expand so, upon that. so it's very. I'm just saying it's very tricky. Like, where here you might put in the traditional like sour cream and like ground so ye- fucking elitist and the yellow ground beef. Uh-huh. Like the yellow ground, like the the, the greasy, greasy uh-huh. yellow uh, ground beef, and then whatever else you have, mm-hmm. like you're not gonna find that in Mexico. Obviously, it's gonna be like barbacoa. It's gonna be carnitas. It's gonna be uh, pastor in your burrito, and that's more like up north too, because you go down to like West Coast Mexico, like Michoacan. Uh, well, not Michoacan, but like Guerrero, Sinaloa, Nayarit. You're not really gonna find that type of food in that area. It's there, but it's not as popular because, like, you know, you're by the sea. So, so seafood is obviously going to be more popular. You know, that's where my parents from, well, my mom. So I know that part of Mexico is more catered towards seafood than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, people are going to like whatever they like. You know, like, again, like fajitas aren't a real 
Mexican food, to my knowledge, either, right? No, no fajita, they're like, but they're a staple in Texas. Like, yeah, they, they, that's what we call Tejano food. That is what we call legitimately Tex-Mex, you know? And that, like I said, that is a, a cuisine in and of itself. And I'm, people, I'm not here to tell you, like, how you can or cannot live. You know, you like what you like, whatever. But just know, Veronica Perez is judging you. And, You're and, okay with that. And, and just to, like, kind of ca- ca- cap it off, like, it's so white fajitas that Mexican people who come fajitas from Mexico. Me, so your fajitas so white. So European. How white like, is it? Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're so white uh-huh. that when Mexican people come from Mexico, they look at it and they look at it as something completely foreign. Mm. They look at it as the most American thing you could get. Because when my mom or my dad ordered fajitas, they're not looking at this as Mexican food. They're like, oh, this is fajitas. This is what I learned what existed over here on this side of the border because your parents are immigrants yeah exactly they're like they're, they look at this and like this is not what mexican food is mm-hmm. this is this is good don't get me wrong it could be good but this is not mexican food yeah yeah for sure for sure and that was our segment called uh giving the not mexican food the dozens i guess yeah but yeah anyway <laughs> all right so uh we're gonna go ahead we are going to end this podcast with your age-old favorite good looking out this is we we go ahead and we tell you what we've been watching what we've been catching what people we have been following lately new movies music all that good stuff so what do you have for me Ricardo? for my good looking out and you kind of caught some of this actually because i was uh, watching right. it a couple days ago i've been watching remember. it uh here and there on and off mm-hmm. so i finally watched the four-part documentary on amazon about lularo oh Okay, so explain to people who have no fucking idea what Lulu Row is. So, uh, before I get into that, the, the documentary name is Lula Rich. So, a little play on words when it comes to the, the name of the company. But Lula Row, for those who are not aware, uh, apparently you don't follow um, moms and uh, other type of people on Facebook if you haven't heard of Lula Row. Mm-hmm. But White Lula- moms and approximately 45 years of age. Yeah. So, the Lula Row, in a sense, is a multi-level marketing company who caters mainly to women to sell their products which consists of it consists of a, a variety of things in the beginning like you it, guys remember those ugly ass leggings that people used to wear with the like weird ass geometric style that looked like you know a rainbow through I, I was gonna get there oh okay was, all right I was, I was gonna do that thank you Beto. Now, now um they eventually did get it that's what they became known for but originally, when they started, it was a, a wide assortment of things. You had blouses, you had maxi skirts, which was like the big pop off. Really, they had the maxi. That was like what they were known for before they they hit it off with the leggings. Now the leggings, once they came out with that and they had all these crazy, weird, gaudy designs on it, that's what popped off, and that's what really got people uh, on the bandwagon to be like, you know what? Hey, I want to start selling Lularoe because that's what they did, right? That you would you would you would go to them. You would be onboarded. That's what they call it to become a retailer. That's what you're called once you're onboarded, and you would have to purchase a package of clothing. And mind you, this isn't cheap. You would be paying just startup costs, uh, probably a grand, just a grand off, just to just to get the basic like package of like, all right, this, you're gonna get these clothes, you're gonna get these blouses, these pants, now it's whatever. Your responsibility to sell. Now out. you're gonna yeah. sell for a profit. Yes. Um, and they made buku bucks, you know, they were going crazy. Like LuLaRoe was, you know, had, had money coming in from every direction. And, but as you start digging deeper behind, um, the owners and all that, uh, you start learning that a lot of the ethical, a lot of the morals behind the company 
was really weird, you know. You know, one of the big red flags from the very beginning was like the no return policies. Like you had this clothes and essentially you were pretty much stuck with it if you couldn't sell it. And you and the majority of people who became retailers, uh, the 80% of them, like when you look at when you look at the pyramid, you know, of retailers, the bottom 80% is not ever going to reach that that pinnacle, that top. Mm-hmm. So it's a very cutthroat thing, and most people don't ever make any type of profit. You know, it, it, you know. In fact, you lose more than you ever. Excuse me, yeah. make. All they are doing is selling you a dream. So they to are speak, right. So this was a four-part documentary, right? And you, of all people, watch the most random shit that I would never connect to you, but somehow, like I don't know, your your well of knowledge never. I'm is, here to put is, people up on game, like they think. Yeah, they, about Lulu Row. Look, they think I'm just watching Kanye documentaries on YouTube all day, but then I hit yeah. you up with a Lulu, um, you know, Lulu uh, Row review and like. You know, you never know what to expect from me, but you are the spice of life, Mexicano yeah, variety. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, it's very uh, enthralling. It's very sickening at some point to like see kind of like the way they would like treat like not only like their retailers, but just how they would never really give them like any any inch to really progress within the the business, but also just like the staff and just kind of like how they it would encourage like people at the very top, right? So you had like these the retailers that were like. Coaches, I believe, was like the highest rank because you had like a rank structure. Coaches was the was the highest rank, and they were known and they were known to make like sixty thousand a month just based off off their downline. Mm-hmm. So the people below them, so you know, you have like I said, it's a, it's a pyramid scheme in a sense, where you have the coach, then you, then they have a downline, and then they have a downline, et cetera, et cetera, and then the very top person at the top is making the majority of the money. Mm-hmm. The definition of a pyramid. And yeah, and <clears throat> just to give a little bit more detail. A pyramid scheme basically becomes a pyramid scheme because the MLM on its own, multi-level marketing, is not illegal. Can you save some information for them to find out on the documentary? I know, no, no, this is pretty oh basic. Okay. But this is basic stuff. This is You can find out about the stuff without even watching the documentary. It's not like we're already running an hour 20 in, but yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, once you start making revenue and profits off of the people that you're recruiting other than the product... That's where it turns into a pyramid scheme. I think I believe the the Federal Trade Commission says that you need to uh, most of your revenue needs to be seventy uh, percent of your business, mm-hmm. and if it's not, then you start going into like murky water. So it's a lot of information in there, uh, stinky leggings, all that. So watch it for yourself. Amazon, Lula Rich, ugly ass clothes. Yeah, disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, disgusting owners. Too. How many? Uh, how many Ricardo Los stars does it get? Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. All yeah, right. Four part documentary on Lulu Row. Eight out of ten Ricardo Los stars. Yeah. All right. And uh, what I have for you guys this week, I'm just gonna make it short and sweet. Uh, it's more of a good looking out announcement than anything else. So. Um, I made a review of this show probably last season or two seasons ago. So this is the show Hintify that's on Netflix. Uh, basically, it uh, is about a group of 20-somethings uh, living, well, not Border City, but like a South, a- a South LA. Barrio. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I forget I forget the exact name of the In East town. LA? Anyway, I think East LA, yeah. yeah. Um East LA, you know, trying to like uh trying to save basically their grandpa's taco shop y todo eso. Um anyway, so season 1 came out. I fell in love with it. It came out like 
probably right in the beginning of COVID season, right? So that that means that they already had done all the filming, all the production, all of this, that, and the other. And of course, as with many shows lately, it has taken a while to kick steam back up again and to get like rocking and rolling with all of the new stuff going on, especially like because you don't want to you don't want to sacrifice good storyline or good production or just anything and also you don't want to sacrifice your safety so uh because of that i'm here to say that november 10th hentified season two is set out to premiere on netflix and i am relatively excited because spoiler alert it's been a year and a half you'll live uh that at the end of season one um their grandfather got deported so we're yeah. gonna see yeah that's okay that's okay you yeah. should have caught up i remember no i remember oh uh, did then, you watch it yes yes oh i don't remember you I remember, watching it. i watched it all um we watched it together no i no you didn't no uh, i was still living in my mom's uh, i was still like sleeping in my little sister's room so, in my mom's so we house. didn't watch you together imagine that we definitely talked about it all the time then that means you would text we, me a lot we used, me about to, it. we used to do facebook lives that's what you're thinking about that's probably right? what it was that was saying we would talk about it after i would watch an episode yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but i had already seen it yeah yeah anyway yeah. so yeah season two november 10th that's uh, crazy and uh so they're finally coming back uh, and I'm super hyped about it. So I would definitely check it out. Um, it's got a kind of on my block feel, but not as obnoxious, in my opinion. Uh, so I give it a solid like 8 out of 10 Veronica stars, even though I haven't seen it yet. But here's hoping. What? Yeah. How can you rate it like that? Because the anticipation is giving me 8 out of 10 stars of excitement. I can't remember what I gave the show originally. I can't. I'm not going to rate it right now. But yeah, yeah but- I'm, I'm excited for it. Like, it wasn't like the show didn't wow me the first season, but mm-hmm. hopefully this one does. Like, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Okay. And with that, you guys. It's our show. Thank you again to our guest, uh, Master Chef from Frescos Tacos. And uh, thank you, uh, Frankie, for like falling asleep and doing absolutely nothing. Love you. He's had a rough week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, and with that, uh, this has been In the Living Spanglish, Mi Gente. We love you. We love you. We love you. We're out. Oh. My hope is that you see how Spanglish has closed the gap and formed a synergistic approach for communication. Thank you.